0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: When it seems as if it's all too broken to mend, house flooded, house on fire, there are these meadows by the river
2: Spokes. In this episode, I'm talking to the poet Mark Roper. Mark was born in Derbyshire, England, in 1951. His father was a Church of England vicar. When Mark was three, the family moved to Barnet in North London, and that's where Mark grew up. He met his partner Jane when they were in college together, and in 1980, the two of them moved to County Kilkenny in Ireland. Mark has seven collections of poetry, multiple awards, and he's been widely published in anthologies and in many of the leading poetry journals of our time. He has also written three books in collaboration with the photographer Paddy Dwan, books about the river shore, about Tremors, Backstrand and about the Cummer Mountains. He has also collaborated with many others from across the arts, including the composer Eric Sweeney, with whom he wrote an opera. He has run writing classes and workshops for around 25 years, in 2014, Mark had a fall in the Comeragh Mountains and broke his neck. He had cancer in 2016 and a different cancer in 2017. He's recovered from all of these setbacks. He still teaches a literature class in Kilkenny and he's working on a book about the Waterford coastline with Paddy Dwan and he continues to write poetry. I met Mark at his home in the Irish countryside back in March 2020.
1: So, this is the house, um, Heron Cottage. Uh, I say, we named named it for the herons that came into the field when we first moved here. Uh, It was just a tiny little cottage, um, very low, with um, three rooms in it, uh, which we bought for 8,000 punts. This is, it's a townland land called Tobinabrone, uh, which means well of the quern stone. And so a couple of fields away, there's a, there's a, um, a spring. It's a kind of holy well, which is coming up through a quern stone, a millstone. The Water comes up through the middle of that stone. But we, we just, you know, like it here. We've, we've got lovely neighbours and it's very nice, um, Not having one, not having anyone immediately beside us.
2: Hi. That's Jane, Mark's partner. She appears at the door, sees the microphone, and quickly disappears again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't know who she is. Never seen her before. (laughs) Um,
2: Judging from the garden, you're into the gardening, are you?
1: Oh, completely, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm completely. uh, mad about gardening um so this has all been built from from scratch the garden here. Uh, you know and yeah I I mean I absolutely love the garden I, I've been building it for about thirty eight years and it's just about sort of um you know I, I I never had a plan for it but it's now it's kind of um sort of complete.
2: Does it stretch far back?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just change my shoes and then okay. I'll come up with you and I'll show you.
2: Hi, Jane. Uh, I'm sorry to be interrupting your. Sorry, you're talking. Quiet morning.
0: Oh, not at all. <laughs> I'm not talking. I'm
2: going to yoga. Okay.
1: Bye. Bye. Uh, so this has been added on. Um, this is a, a sunroom at the back. And then all the rest of it i I've built uh, all the little walls that you would see, little stone walls I would have built,
2: but yourself, did
1: you? yeah the, the, I mean the ones that, that where things look flat that's that's where the builders done it properly. Uh, where things look knobbly and round that, that's me uh, just picking up stones out of the fields and no um, way yeah so you kind just, of source just, them yourself yeah yeah just collected them uh so it's slowly slowly taken shape and i I love i actually really love working in it you know it's lovely to walk around as well but the the real pleasure i get is actually just working in the garden
2: and what is that pleasure
1: um i suppose it's kind of get well you could say it's getting completely lost um it's uh, it's a good question. Um, it might be, you know, getting into harmony with something. Uh, it might be escaping from something, but it's getting into some kind of rhythm, um, both physically and and mentally. Um, and it's you know working with, with things that are living as well. Uh, there's everything else going on, you know. There's there's the the bird song there's the the weather. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's almost like a kind of form of meditation in that you forget about yourself and forget about everything, you know, when you're actually doing it. And you know, although you're not aware of it, you're actually making something um, as well. Oh, that's a buzzard calling. That kind of mew sound was a buzzard.
2: Oh. See the snowdrops are out.
1: Yeah, the snow snowdrops. Um, there's hundreds and hundreds of of, of snowdrops.
2: Will we have a little walk around?
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, I do. I collect um, different kinds of snowdrops. So these are these are sort of slightly unusual ones you can see this one has yellow it's got yellow markings on the flower Uh, that one has a green dot on the petals this is one it's it's actually called marks tall (laughs) that one which a friend gave me which i like um and my dad would have like he would have liked that would be kind of his sense of humor that you know you might say to me, "What's that snowdrop?" and I would say, "Mark's tall, and he would say he is, isn't he? you know that he would love <laughs> that kind of uh, joke um
2: and the pat the of flagstones kind of in the grass
1: yeah they we we have got these put in because the ground's actually quite wet uh I would have put this stream in really um there was. Up there is is where we get our water from, there's a pump. Um, But there's a very powerful spring. and um, There was a pipe coming from there under the ground and it goes out into the ditch under the ground. But what I've actually done is I kind of cut the pipe, built a bed so that this is the first bit, first section of the water is now running over the ground and then it drops back into the pipe. So this is um, just absolutely lovely. You know, the sound. There's at least two different sounds um, coming from the water. And I know, uh, you know, it used to be an exercise, I believe, with trainee Japanese or Chinese poets that they had to... Identify the sound of rain on leaves, and they had to, you know, enumerate a whole different series of, of sounds uh, that the water would make on leaves. So, in a small way, you know, I've, I've got that. Uh, if it's rained very hard, you're going to get a slightly different note coming from it. If it's dry, as well, you you know, there would be less of a sound. So it's it's very wet. We're we're at the bottom of of what they call the Welsh hills um, on limestone. So if it rains hard, you you actually get springs coming up all over the place. Uh, As I say, it's quite a wet area. Ted Hughes said, um, if you're writing, uh, it's great to know that you're not going to be disturbed. But he said, it's even better to know that you can't be disturbed. Um, so I, I thought about this for a while, and it, it eventually, you know, I got what every man really wants, which is a shed up the garden. Um, so I'll show, you, I'll show you, shall I? We'll have a look in. Yeah.
2: So this is down at the back of the garden now?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying not to knock that. I'm just going to take those off because I'm not... Would I take off right. my No, 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 yeah. Are you okay. sure?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm give them a good wipe.
1: You're fine. Okay. Um, so oh,
2: wow. So this is the man's shed.
1: Yeah, this is the man's shed. <laughs> uh, it's kind of, you know, it's it's great, obviously. But, you know, it's a, it's a big space. Uh, these are all my, my poetry books. Um, these would be, you know, bird books, fair books of, of every kind. Uh, there's the cream of my nature books, to call them that, there.
2: So this is where you spend your days then, is it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't do anything, I just hide up here. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this this is where I would write. Um, I'm kind of extremely spoilt. Um, There's a desk for the computer, there's a desk where I write and there's a desk over here which um, I I kind of use for if I find objects or if I'm looking at birds or things like that. So it, it's interesting, Seamus Heaney said um, that he was wary of, of having too nice a place to write because he thought, you know, if it was too nice, um, too well-appointed, uh, everything in its place, he he was worried that he said that the, the poems might abscond, that the writing might abscond. So, you know, I'd, and he also said, you know, what what he found were very good things for writing was being on a journey in an airport on a plane on a train something like that uh, on a little break and I actually find that myself um, you know that that's often it's just a little disruption to a routine that would often trigger a a piece of writing Um, and you know I, I find that a lot at the moment that I actually do most of my writing not here, but I come in here to finish it off, you know. So I always carry a notebook, and I'd be scribbling in that um, outside of here. But uh, then, you know, this is where hopefully the poems actually get get um, finished off. I've got a huge, you know, huge collection of of notebooks that I'm writing in, in one way or another. You know, I usually got twelve or fifteen, all of which have different functions um,
2: Like what? <laughs>
1: well there'd be one for initial ideas uh, there'd be one um, for kind of working up those ideas there'd be one for working them up a bit more um, I'm doing working with Paddy Dwan on a book about the Waterford coastline so there's a there's another one for that uh, there's one for sort of keeping records of things that are going There'd be one for birds that i've seen lately one for flowers that i've seen lately um so there are all sorts of notebooks
2: you you love birds and flowers like nature is a big thing yeah is that yeah. connected to poetry or
1: um it it, it probably is um in that it's it's increasingly what I write about. Poems get triggered um, by seeing a bird, by seeing a flower. It's not necessarily that the poems are gonna end up being, you know, about the bird or the flower, but uh, they do get triggered that way a lot. Um, I mean, that, that's not just why I, I love them. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I always have, you know, been, been really interested in looking at birds and flowers. So, um, now, you know, for about the last five years, I um, spent a lot of time looking for different orchids uh, with a, a small group of friends. So, the orchid season is, is coming, so that's always really exciting.
2: And why <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I you know what is it about orchids uh
1: they're particularly orchids they're they're extremely beautiful they are very unusual flowers um they are they are very beautiful if you look at them closely um, the way they work the way the flowers work uh is is absolutely wonderful um so there there's something to me, um, infinitely fascinating um, about them, you know, they're, they're just really beautiful. It, it's uh, to me, it's just a huge part of being alive is um, enjoying the beauty and and mystery of of this world and being alive in it. Last year I was out with with Paddy Tobin, a friend who I go out with a lot. We we went to look for a bog orchid um, in a particular area of of, of kind of um, North Wexford, I suppose, North Carlowish, uh, a, a huge hill, and, and I had a a satellite reference, and uh, we searched and searched over this bog. So you're looking for a flower that's probably about an inch high and which is you know has very little color in the flower and we couldn't find it but the looking for it was was great you know just the tramping around and tramping around
2: so people Um, obviously share the coordinates they find there's a group of people and yeah you kind of tell each other yeah so it's just the thrill of finding these rare
1: it's a but also as i say it's a thrill you know sometimes of not not finding them, um, because it takes you out into into very unusual places, which you'd never go, um, you know, for any other reason. I've got a lot of wooden, old wooden furniture I've inherited quite a lot from my mother. Um, there's a lot more in the house, and um I've written it you know, it kind of fascinates me because I mean one, it's really unfashionable now, so when we die, I don't know if anybody's going to want it, but it's going to survive, you know for hundreds of years that furniture. So there's something, you know, something about that that I, I find really interesting. Uh, the fact that it was once alive as well as wood um, interests me uh, as well.
2: I can smell incense in the air.
1: Yeah, I, I, I always, I've burnt incense kind of all my life. Um, so, you know, I n- I nearly always have some incense. It, ha- it helps me to concentrate. But
2: What's the favourite?
1: No. Um, I I like jasmine incense. I like rose incense very much. Um, but any any kind, really. I, I just love it. Yeah. Great.
2: Where, are we, going? Where are we going now?
1: Uh, we'll just go round to the left. So this is um, uh, this is a, a vegetable garden. Um here, are your hens. have one hen. Um, this is Betty the the hen, um, and we think she's she's at least twelve years old, which is extraordinary.
2: Have you had her for that long? Yeah,
1: yeah. Hello, um,
2: Betty. <laughs> we we'll see if she says anything.
1: Say hello, Betty. Betty, say hello. Say hello. Betty. (laughs) She's shy.
2: There was a little noise. There you go. Yep, that's about it. Uh,
1: Well we've had, not this one, this is a hen arc. and uh, we've had that actually more or less since we moved in. We've had hens you know, they've obviously come and gone. Um, but I still, I, I don't know, I'll see if she's... No, no egg. But um, she is 12, so it's hard to expect <laughs> to still be laying. But I, I still get an enormous kick out of finding an egg. You know, it's just absolutely great. Uh, so I wrote a poem about this called uh, The Hen Ark which is also a a love poem to to Jane. Um, So, you know, she's she's the kind of spirit of the garden, I suppose, up here. Yeah, she's warming up now.
2: (laughs) Got Buddhist prayer flags.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes, I I like having those. A nice Uh, bit of colour as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nice bit, and it's it's just beautiful. Um, When back in the nineteen nineties, we made three trips to Ladakh in northern India, on the far side of the Himalayas, a very very remote area. But one of the things you see, you know, in Ladakh, it's it's really high up. It's all all over 11,000 feet, and we trekked a bit, and when you go over the high passes, when you come to the pass, there'll always be masses of prayer flags, um, you know, to, to celebrate the achievement to appease the gods, and they'll often be almost, um, you know, completely faded away, they're disappearing, you know, as their prayers get blown out on the wind.
2: Well, yours look very fresh and colourful. Yeah, they're not really faded yet, are they?
1: No, they're even they're about a year old, I think. But uh, I, I just like I actually love seeing things fade um, and and slowly disappear. Um, I'm not sure why, but one of my favourite stories is um, there's a cathedral in in Spain where when a cardinal dies, you know the, the hats that cardinals wear. They put that hat kind of on a post in the cathedral and they just leave it there until it disappears. You know, it, it slowly, slowly sort of fades away and disappears. And um, I'm, I'm very sort of attracted to that idea of, of things staying still. And and I know the flags aren't staying still, but, but um, things just being allowed to take their time to, to disappear something that's always always just fascinated me.
2: Are you religious?
1: Uh, I'm I'm not, no. I'm I'm not in any... um, in any strict sense of religion. Um, And I always avoid the term spiritual because I don't, you know, I don't sort of think there's any spirit apart from the body. So... But but if you use the uh pejorative sense of spiritual, then I suppose that, you know, I would be quite interested in in that aspect of things. That's a very convoluted answer, but um I don't know if that makes any sense but uh
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Can we keep going? Yep. So as we're going, um, your kind of background in poetry, when did you begin?
1: Um, I would have always um, scribbled things during my teens um, you know, it was terrible uh, kind of adolescent self-pitying rubbish Uh, but I did it but um, I didn't really start writing until we moved here um, about 1980 and then when we moved here um, when we we were living up in Owning uh, you know, with our friends and after we'd been here about a year, my mother asked me to keep a diary for a year, um you know, just not not have not have sort of got up this morning, brushed my teeth and so on, but um of things that I observed and thought about and uh, what I found was that i I began to take it more and more seriously you know I, I was writing about uh, going for a walk, say. And then I would I would work on it, and edit it, and try and improve it. And uh, quite a lot of that was using natural imagery. And that that I think really woke an interest. And I, I think she might have, um, she might have done that deliberately. I'm not sure. She might have sensed, you know, that there was, there was a writer, in there.
2: That's what I was going to ask her. Like, um, why did she ask you to keep a diary?
1: Yeah, I, I'd say you know it might it might well have been that. Were um, you close to your mum? Yeah, I was very close to her. Yeah, um, in all sorts of ways. You know, she she was uh, I say she she loved flowers. Um, she loved walking. She loved swimming. She loved being outside. Um, but I, I suppose with me. You know, it never occurred to me that i I could be a writer or could be a poet. It's just part of my makeup. you know that that was something that other people did and never, never occurred to me. Um, but then I wrote I wrote three or four short stories um, which were probably pretty awful as well. Um, and there was a a weekend workshop in Waterford run by van boland and i went to that um and at that uh, met up with about 10 other people um all really interested in writing and we formed this waterford writers workshop called initials and we met once a month and um, you know it was your turn to read every so often and uh, there was a woman there ros cowman um, who said to me one time, "You know, I think your stories are, are really poems. Why don't you have a go at writing a poem?" And that, so I did, and um, once I got going, you know, I, I just couldn't stop.
2: So, when you were a kid, then what? What was the dream?
1: Uh, I, I never had a dream, uh, really. Uh, yes, yeah, I never really wanted to be. I maybe wanted to be a. Uh, a footballer. At one time, it was a short period. I wanted to be a chartered accountant because my friend's dad was one, and he he you know was a lot richer than we were. So I used to pray, please God, make me a chartered accountant. I thought it was all one word, um, but it, it never happened. Um, but I, I'm peculiar in that way. I've got very I've got very little sort of forward planning in my mind. You know, I seem to have missed out somewhere on on being able to to think ahead. <laughs> you know, I, th- I think they they probably, you know, three great interests would be would be writing, would be gardening, and and would be um, nature. To to use that word, um, would be would be really important. And Jane. And Jane, yeah, I, know that. I said interest i can't I can't call Jane an interest tell me about Jane <laughs> well, Jane, I've known um, since since I was seventeen she was eighteen uh, so we met uh, not long well, I think about the second day at university um, I, I'll tell the story we we met um we We'd gone to university, uh, we'd gone to some sort of do and we were walking back along the road and we looked over a hedge and um, there was a girl being sick on the doormat, on the welcome mat and there was a girl holding her and keeping her hair pulled back. So Jane was was not the one being sick, Uh, she was the one who was holding the hair back. And the other girl was Marion, who's still our, our very best friend um, after all this time. So, you know, we, we, we weren't really together for, you know, a few years. But um, eventually, you know, we I suppose we were always going to get together. And, and we did.
2: Why, why do you say you're always going to get together?
1: Because um, we were, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah you know we we've just uh, been very happy together i think um yeah since then
2: um are symbols important for you Uh how do you mean Like you said about the herons and i know once you had a badge on your lapel of a bird
1: Yeah i think that that was a heron um yeah in in a way um you know the it was kind of important to to call the house a uh, heron cottage. Um, in some way, little things like you know having the having the prayer flags. Um, if I'm starting a notebook and writing in it, I usually find a, a picture that I particularly like, cut out and, and glue it to the the notebook. It's um. It's like a kind of consecration, you might say. Um, in in some way, um, that that heightens something. Uh, I know there's a story about T. S. Eliot uh, one time answering his front door to someone who'd called, and to the person's amazement, Eliot had had kind of green facial makeup on. And it turned out that, you know, when he wrote, at times he would do this, uh, put, put green makeup on his face to, I think, to make himself strange to himself. You know, there, there was more chance of inspiration if in, in some way, you know, you, you slightly observe some kind of ritual, make yourself strange. So there, there are certain things, you know, that I suppose are important to me. Um, for for trying to get you know as far as you can into some kind of zone for writing
2: After our time in the garden at Mark's house we drove for about five miles on country roads to a remote setting. We climbed over a gate into a field
1: So yeah we're, we're looking over um, you know quite a, quite a long uh, area of river meadows these these would be meadows on the edge of the river shore uh grassland meadows and there's a a flock of over a hundred hooper swans there and probably at least the same number of gray lag geese um so there's kind of significant numbers of these birds and uh very beautiful sight the, the Hooper Swans would come here for the winter they would fly from Iceland and they spend the winter here in, in increasing numbers um, I think it's something to do with climate change that, that more of them they, they've always come but more and more of them come each year so I, I come down here a lot you know more than more than once a week just to to have a really good look at them there's something about you know seeing wildlife in abundance that that's rare now. You know, obviously there's been catastrophic declines in the numbers of wildlife of every kind, and um, you know, there's a, really when you're looking at um, looking at anything wild to use that word, it's been damaged in some way you no longer can look at a, a natural landscape anymore because it will have been damaged. So to see a lot of something um, is a is a treat. You know, to it's, it's some extent it's sort of how things used to be. You might say um, it's how things should be. You know, th- this is what the world should look like, but we've done so much damage to it that it, it no longer looks like that. So I, I find something very special about this.
2: At that point, I left. We said our goodbyes with a plan to meet again a few weeks later. We were going to meet up in the Cummer Mountains and he was going to show me the spot where he had fallen and broken his neck. We were also going to go to Tremor in the backstrand where Mark spends much of his time looking at birds. And also we were going to go to the Waterford coastline where he's currently working on a book with his friend, the photographer Paddy Dwan. But it wasn't to be. The very next week, Ireland went into the first phase of what would become a severe lockdown that lasted months. By early August, things were still not looking like we could meet. So I asked Mark to record some poems on his phone and I asked him to say a bit about how he has coped with lockdown.
1: This is a poem about those swans called Meadows. Meadows. When it seems as if it's all too broken to mend, house flooded, house on fire, there are these meadows by the river, in winter a safe haven for wild swans. They eat more grass than I would like, says the farmer but they need their place. All day the swans attend to that grass. Heads bowed, you might say, in prayer, necks bent in humility, but only feeding. Squabbles break out, but their bones are not bones of contention. Lapwing and curlew feed close beside You stand at the edge of the meadow. Step further in, and they will lift heads, straighten necks, start to scuttle away. So you learn to keep your distance. In their place, on the great rivers of water and grass, to let them be. And now I'm asking your your question um it was march when we met for the early interview it's now august how have you been coping with covid yes it's um actually 5 months have, have gone by um, since then and i remember um you were probably the first person i knew who who really took it seriously and uh, saw what was coming Uh, We were actually on our way to the airport. We were going to to a holiday in Morocco when we happened to turn on the radio and, um, you know, had the the first sort of news of the first lockdown. And we had a, a, you know, kind of very fraught half hour trying to decide should we go um, or should we not. And in the end decided to turn back and probably a couple of days later it, it it seemed mad that we should have even considered it at all um probably for for us um it really hasn't been too bad um you know i've been able to to write and and do my garden and um in many ways carry on as normal uh, i realize we're we're extremely lucky In that it's obviously been, you know, absolutely terrible for so many other people, but probably not too bad for us. Um, I think at the start there was uh, a real kind of intensity um, in the air. I I think, with the, um, partly with the weather being so good, um, with the fact that it was spring. And the, the the sense of solidarity as well that you know, wondering what was coming next, uh, led to this this great kind of intensity I felt. And so th- this is a poem um, I wrote at that time. It's called More Than Ever. More than ever. Now more than ever, swallow, is the time to come, up the river and over the field. Now, Rook, the time to know your ramshackle basket of twig holds its fragile trove. Blackcap, this moment more than ever we need your hidden delivery, sudden mad burst of song. Gorse, your rich and delicate perfume. Dandelion, your cloth of gold. Thrush, Do not fail us now. Sling your fervent prayer into the wind, into the driving rain. Primrose, please, keep sketching your soft circles. Above a still lake of bluebell, unfurl beech tree, your tender leaf. More than ever, moon, your shining example. More than ever, pebble, your patience. I think when, when the, I, I did find, um, you know, we, we had a couple of local woods to walk in and that was great, but I did miss um, being in the mountains, being at the coast. Um, I've lost a, a summer of hunting for orchids. Uh, the first time that um, we did go out, uh, first time we went, sort of broke the, the seven mile limit, um, I think it was seven miles, or maybe it was two miles, but the, the first time anyway, uh, we went into the mountains after a, a very long gap, it, it was really strange, um, really felt like, you know, uh, sort of babes coming out into the wider world. Um And this is a poem I I wrote about that feeling. This is called Coming Out. Coming Out. Like birds on the brink of a nest, Unfledged, beaks agape. There we were on the Marmar Road, Between Coomeraglin Mountain And the far-off shining sea. Out of house, out of hedge, we were there, Lark song running in stations of air, soft heads of bog cotton nodding assent to it all. Words, what were they, and how should we use them? The coming of evening over ridge and valley, dewfall of stars in the endless dark, would we ever again be ready, be able for this? So I'll, I'll leave it there, Colette. I, I hope that's um, enough. I hope you'll be able to work that in. And a special thanks to Billy, who's let me record this..
2: spokes thanks to our guest mark roper we'll put links and more information on the show notes if you enjoy spokes please subscribe and we have a new facebook page so do check it out it's spokes the podcast until next time goodbye like and subscribe and share the video
1: (laughs) there is no video
0: (laughs) podcast